Welcome to Trying Days of the Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorris. With us is Daniel Hopsicker, author of Barry and the Boys, and welcome to Terrorland. Daniel is an independent researcher who has discovered key information in important stories, such as the CIA's involvement in drug trafficking and what some of the accused hijackers were doing in Florida before 9-11. Daniel's website is madcowprod.com, and that stands for Mad Cow Productions. So are they treating you good? I'm, I'm in heaven here. This is um, Sarasota Memorial Hospital, best hospital in the area. And um, um, I'm happy as a clam. Um, and, and it looks like I will, it looks as if I will get the physical therapy um, that, that, that I need. Oh, good, good. Well, you know, John Loftus goes to that hospital about once every two weeks. Really? Yeah, and it was built on uh, midden piles. That's how come it doesn't, uh, when the hurricanes come, uh, it doesn't get to the hospital. Because the Indians, you know, uh, many hundreds of years ago started to uh, take their uh, seashells and put them into piles because they knew that every once in a while uh, a big bunch of water comes at them. So they need these places to stand on so they can get out of the water. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, CIA drugs, any, anything happening with that? Well, yeah. Um, there's, there's always something happening with CIA drugs. I mean, it's still going on. And, um, uh, you know, uh, I know I can think of something recent that happened, but my mind, my mind isn't, isn't, uh, isn't working quite, quite as fast as it might be. Um, the book's coming out. Yeah. yeah I'm excited about it. Thank you, sir. Gangster Planet has everything. That, um, my co-writer, Linda Miner, who's a wonderful historian, and I have learned over the past uh, uh, three to five years, and, and, and it's quite a bit, and, and um, if anything else was needed to um, sink Donald Trump's prospects in 2024, um, um, the, the book would have it. Well, but I, I think he's, he's, thinking, he's thinking all by himself. Well, uh, you know, I was talking with Daniel Estelin the other day, and I, I mentioned the importation of narcotics by intelligence agencies. And his comment was, every intelligence agency on the planet now does it. They 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 learned from from the CIA that that's a way to raise some money. That's Danny's dictum. In every country on the planet in which there is a significant illicit drug market, the people who control that drug market are the same people who control the country. Yeah. So that's a, um, um, that's a large, a, a large pot of, of, of loot um, that gets distributed country by country. Um, and, and none of us, None of us, you know, we never get, we never get a share in it, 
but but we don't even get get to uh, uh, get to say where it goes. Right. I mean, you know, I I'll never forget. You know, I was coming home from Portland State, and I I drive into the driveway, and my and my dad's sitting there up against the house, you know, just kind of standing. And I get out of the car, and I and I, you know, I look at my dad, and my dad says, "Well, you know, they're out to opiate your whole generation." You know, and, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> it. it you know, I, I, like I told my dad, I said, "Well, I don't, I don't see that stuff. I don't look for it. I just smoke some pot." But then he said, "I don't care. You're still making money for them." You know, um, sure. It's it's been going on a while. So, uh, when you know, how much corruption does the drug trade create? Wow. Um, it, it creates enough to to continue to propagate itself. You're you're in, you're out. Right. Sometimes yeah. sometimes it's very visible, and and sometimes it recedes into the background. But um, my understanding is there is more cocaine being consumed than than even back in the days. When it was, uh, you know, considered an epidemic back in the in the eighties, um, the cocaine fueled fueled eighties, when there was much talk about it, um, you know, the nineties there was more there was more cocaine, but but it was it wasn't it was no longer in the news every day. Yeah, yeah, and now now I mean you've got these boats coming in with. Lord have mercy, what, 20 tons and more? I mean, that's a huge amount. Well, that's what it, that it that's what it's come to now. Um, organized crime, I, 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 I think of it as a candy store in Brooklyn that, um, <laughs> you know, that does a little lo- lo- loan sharking. Um, and every, every once in a while, um, sells things that fell off the back of a truck. Um, transnational organized crime, which is what we have now, is a three-block-long container ship owned by the mafia um, that drops off 19 tons of cocaine in Philadelphia um, and, and, and then moves down to... I mean, it's... Uh, uh, it's a global distribution system that probably is more effective than um, than, Proc- than Procter and Gamble's. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean it's just uh, amazing to see that these amounts and you know and 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 then they you know really obfuscate you know who owns these things because you start looking at them and you see you know you see some Chinese people you see some uh, Switzerland folk, you see some Italian folk, you see some Balkan folk, you know. Uh, transnational is, is obviously uh, correct there, Daniel. You know, uh, what, what what I think of is the dual lo- loyalties that it creates. Here, here's here's an example. Um, three weeks after Mohammed Atta and Marwan al-Shehi 
arrived in Venice, Florida, to attend um, Huffman Aviation Flight School. The owner of Huffman Aviation, uh, a supposed insurance executive named Wally Hilliard, had his Learjet busted on a runway of Orlando Executive Airport with 43 pounds of heroin on board. 43 pounds of heroin is what's known in trade as heavy weight. Nobody stumbles across 43 pounds of heroin by mistake. Right. And, and, and those trips were happening weekly. And, you know, you've been the only person uh, talking about it. Um, you know, what are some of the uh, excuses that you get from quote-unquote journalists as to why they don't cover it? I, I, I don't. I don't. Um, it's just understood that the knowledge I have is verboten and is outside the realm of of any journalist that wants to uh, uh, progress in journalism. That, that's just the way it is. Yeah. Doug Valentine thinks that, you know, he's been uh, kicked out of uh, the mainstream. I mean, he, you know, they won't talk about his books at all. And, and you know, he uh, covers some of the same material. It seems to be a... Uh, what do Occupational you hazard. <laughs> you know, but uh, let me, let me, let me back up and, and, and um, in defense of, of of our of our shared country, you know, God bless America. They they don't kill you. They don't have to kill you. They are able to anything I find out from reaching any sort of audience that is going to be able going to be able to make an issue of it at any time. So I'm I'm grateful to be alive. And um, I'm grateful that they don't have to kill you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had similar thoughts, you know, after uh, my daddy took me in a room with a professor from Vanderbilt and told me about his intelligence career and a bunch of stuff. And, you know, and he told me, he says, well, I'm not talking, you know, I'm talking to you now because uh, the thing I said, I signed, said I couldn't talk for 10 years. And then after I thought about it a while, you know, well, you know, I, I, I didn't believe him when he was, you know, what he was telling me. So sure. uh, even if he had talked, you know, people wouldn't have believed him and just would have shoved him off into some corner, you know, like uh, you've been shoved off into a corner. It's really sad. Well, it, it is what it is, but that's what it is. Um I remember when I first read um, Compromise by by, um, by Terry Reed, and there were whole passages in that book that I went, "Oh, come on, okay, that that can't that can't possibly be true." Turns out, turns out I believe the, the whole thing was true, including it, Bill Barr. There you go, Bill Barr, a agent. Who kept the lid on the um, um, drug trafficking going on in, in Bill Clinton's um, Arkansas during during the 1980s? Later becomes 
Donald Trump's attorney general. How, how odd is that? Pretty damn odd. That's Pretty true. Pretty damn odd. And and I, I think the the reaction of disbelief is is the way most people um, re- respond at first. I mean, it slowly, slowly, slowly sinks in over time. Um, but at first, it, there's, there's like, you know, oh, my gosh, that can't be true. I, I remember when um, when the author, um, 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 the last big book about 9-11 came down to Venice, Florida, spent time with me. He, he, he came three different times, spent a whole month, must have eaten into his random house budget, you know, travel budget, and and yet and, and yet nothing I told him made it into the book. Even even the things that he was able to verify for himself. While he was here, I I thought of him as Mister Oh Come On. <laughs> this is Anthony Summers, right? That's right. I'm glad you said his name because I don't like to say his name. Right. So, 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 what does this mean, Daniel? What, what is, what is, what does that mean? You know that oh. he didn't report anything that you showed him. Um, he's, he's a careerist first, and a reporter second. Isn't that the way most 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 people are? I, I always felt if, if if you got into a subject area that was liable to expose official wrongdoing, that that you had a um, you had a sacred responsibility to tell the truth. Amen. That's pretty much the long and short of it, my friend. Yeah. You know, um, uh, each one of us has to make his own um, deal with the hereafter. And I don't know why mine was different than most, but I, I never gave a serious thought to, to um, you know, anytime I found something out, I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to divulge it. Right. So... And and you know you you'd write things and people would pop up and say oh you can't say that and you know I uh, always remember you telling the story about you know you're talking to uh, some guy about Barry Seal and he he says well you know I I was glad to sit down and talk to you about some old stuff but now you're 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 talking about current operations yeah yeah that was that was the shock. Um, that, that that guy just turned and and I was I was only trying to impress him. Um, you know I was beating him for drinks. I would always buy drinks, and I had found out something about about a prominent Mexican who had come out of nowhere and 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 become you know vastly wealthy in a short period. And that doesn't happen in Mexico. Um, and I had discovered that, that this man was 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 um, prominent in the drug trade down there, and um, you know I just dropped it into conversation like, oh, by the way, you know, 
and whoa, the, the reaction was was instantaneous. Um, he told he said, you know, I've been talking to you because you're writing a book about things that happened 20 years ago, Barry Seal. Um, but now he says you're, you're you're threatening you're threatening to compromise current operations. And and um, I had very little to do with him after that. Right. So uh, you know, um, you know, my my daddy found out about some of this, you know, and he told me he said he left him soft in '57, hard in '59. Okay. And you know, what sort of? I mean, have any of these people given you a rationale for? Bringing in narcotics into the United States? No. They no. just do it, huh? It's part of their job. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe they try to rationalize it, you know, in any real in any real way. I mean, because the the impact um, of of, of the, the pools. Of of um of, of money that it creates are are just are are just too serious, you know, for for, for them for it to be rationalized. Um, right. I I remember reading a book sometime, and you know, uh, all of a sudden there was this uh, general that popped up, and, and his rationale was, well, you know, the world's an unseemly place, and if you're going to be the big butt on the bench, you better be the big butt on the bench, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, but you know, it, it seems to me that they have quote unquote lost their way to a certain extent. Sure. And, and speaking speaking of generals, there is a whole chapter in Gangster Planet that explains why Venice, Florida, Sarasota, and St. Petersburg have um, um, weighed so heavily in the drug trade. And and because of America's first famous drug smuggling general, Claire Chenault, and the Flying Tigers learned to fly in Venice, Sarasota, and St. Petersburg. And it's also because the and the owner's father of the Sarasota Herald Tribune both spent World War II um, detached to Kunming, China, which, as you know, is is where the heroin trade was 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 centered at that time. So um, they were lifelong members of, of whatever the inside society was and and they only kept they kept Mohammed Atta's name out of the papers. Wow. 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 And and, and the other thing is that you've uncovered all this all this corruption uh that is kind of centered around that area with all the penny stocks and all of that stuff. And you know, you've done a, a yeoman's job, an amazing job of uh, corralling facts and, and putting them together and showing things. Well, 
I don't want to tax you too much. Um, you got any last words or anything you want to talk about? I would hesitate to to waste any last words I have um, um, prematurely. <laughs> I'm actually, <laughs> I love yeah. it, Daniel. But you know what? The deal, the deal is, dude, if you have a uh, fatal disease or potentially fatal disease, um, getting getting the truth to doctors is like pulling teeth. I, I have anywhere between 10 days and, and five plus years to live. I'm okay with that. You know, I mean, let me say this. I have metastatic, metastatic cancer, stage four cancer, which is which is the wrong uh, the wrong end on, on on the stitches to 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 have that, um, but I have heard from 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 doctors and and nurses in hospice that um, there are an increasing number of people who are are living with stage four cancer for five plus years after the diagnosis. So, um, unless they're just lying to make me feel better, which I wouldn't mind if they were doing that, um, then my prognosis, um, you know, I, I may have a few, few years left to kick around here, or, or conversely, may not. But here's the thing, Chris, okay? I'm at peace with it. I'm 71 years old. That anyone that dies at seventy-one um, um, is is dying in any sort of tragedy. Okay, um, tragedy is a eight-year-old kid getting shot at, at school. Seventy-one years old. I've lived my life. I've had a good life, and and there's nothing I'm going to find out if I live another couple of years that I basically don't know now. So I'm enjoying my life. I don't I don't, don't want to leave. Um, uh, unless unless I have to, um, but but if I have to, I'm I'm, I'm ready, willing, and able. So um, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good place. Um, and and my last little spell of hospice here taught me that that, um, that my condition um, is is treatable with drugs so that I'm not in pain because I had spent. Pretty much the previous year and a half, and 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 in, in, in more pain than, than I want to think about. Um, but they 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 helped me get rid of that. And once my mind was clear, it was like, well, okay, let's let's get a little pace, little, little physical therapy, and and you know, and and move forward and see 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 what see what's left. So that's what I'm Amen. doing. So I, I I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me out there. Um um I've had fun, I've had a good life. Um and and um and I'm still enjoying myself. So there. Well, onward, onward, Daniel. Uh we love you. You take care. God bless you. Bye. Bye.